All this trip on me, I feel amazing. I need us so special, it's the occasion. And I pop champagne like it's a celebration. All across the nation, are you Welcome to the On The Whistle podcast and the Shirtless Plantain Show collaboration. We are here and we have arrived at the knockout stage of the AFCON. This is when it gets real. None of this group stage nonsense. None of this praying for coming third place if you're Ivorian and and sneaking through. Now, this is if you're bad, you get out. And sometimes if you're even if your team's like Cameroon, you're bad, but you still find a way to get through. But we're, 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 we're looking forward to this, but I, I first I have to introduce my, my panel, making making their comebacks. It's it's the regulars, Francis Inquain, Courtney Freeze, and of course, Coach. Coach is joining us from the Shirtless Plantain Show. Gentlemen, how, how are we all doing today? How are we feeling? Mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. I'm absolutely fantastic. Uh... Let's respect the group stages. We were fantastic in the group. I haven't watched group <laughs> stage football like that in a long time. Love the group stages. So if the group stages were like that, imagine what the knockout stages are. I'll tell you, I mean, Essex, it is two, sorry, it's gone to one degrees. Beautiful weather. No flies, no mosquitoes. There we go. <laughs> um, I'm doing good. I'm in, yeah, I'm, in, I'm also in East London. Um today at least anyway um but yeah i'm feeling i'm feeling good look nigeria in any in any match is always going to draw attention and i'm just excited my whole day is built around making sure i'm home in time to watch this on the big screen so yeah i'm feeling good mm-hmm. and mr Inquis. no i'm happy uh i bizarrely also find myself in london i don't know how i got here but um i'm missing the sun so i plan to leave here tomorrow anyway but for today i thought i needed to come to the capital of nigeria so i could hand over my commiserations around 10 30. without london there is no nigeria so i came to pay my respects so coach i'm gonna come and look for you wherever your big screen is let's let's, let's get it back. This, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie guys this is shameful me i'm i'm the i'm the one white guy and i'm out here in, in cote d'ivoire and you guys are all at the home of the colonizers this is, this is shameful <laughs> but, but, but that's that's how the colonizers have always well, done of it. course exactly <laughs> going there to take over <laughs> you know. be careful they don't get you to coach the ivorian hey i'm ready i'm ready to step up i'm, I'm, wor- I'm worried for you <laughs> But gentlemen, there is only only one place to start in previewing the round of sixteen, and that is that is the big one tonight. We've got our we've got our Nigerian representative, we've got our Cameroonian representative. Coach, let me tell you, Francis was 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 just wearing a Barcelona top earlier. When he found out a Nigerian was coming on the pod, he went and changed, put on his Cameroonian top. Oh <laughs> there it is. He's ready for war. Well, yeah. Ready for war. But hey, 
I'm literally trying to trying to decide which Nigeria top I'm gonna wear or if I'm gonna wear the full track suit today. I'm I'm <laughs> ready I'm ready for war. Literally, I've got I've got everything ready to go. I'm not eating anything today other than Nigerian food as well. I'm <laughs> so pumped. <laughs> I, you see what I like about this? The man is preparing. The man like is you. preparing. <laughs> He's not playing, but he's preparing. I love that mentality. Absolutely. A prepared supporter. I mean, generally. I've been preparing as well. Like, I've been buying drinks. I've been drinking the drinks, sampling the different drinks. Uh, I've been trying out different types of positions on the sofa. Uh, You know, a few jumping jacks in preparations for the celebrations. Really? Do my best. I mean, but most importantly, my kids already on. Yeah. He's still thinking what he's going to wear. I actually woke up like thirty minutes ago. I won't even lie. So. I, I coach, you weren't sleeping. You weren't oh sleeping gosh, in your super ghost kit. Listen to that amateur. No, 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 not, not, not today. No, no, but I've got my super eagles, my super eagles blanket, so it's, it's good. It's all good for good. This is PJ. Yeah. This is what I slept in yesterday. So now I still have to now change into the one I will be wearing for. <laughs> the beef has already started. The beef has already started. All right. Yeah, well, well, honestly, honestly, honestly speaking, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not really worried because I feel like every time Nigeria play Cameroon, it's more about if Nigeria want to turn up, not about how good Cameroon, Cameroon are. <laughs> but but because because of the Afcon and because of the nature of this particular tournament, and you know me and me and Alice have spoken about it loads of times, but I can't remember. An Afcon in at least the last, I want to say, probably since 2011, where the level of jeopardy in each game seems to be sky high. There isn't a clear. I, listen, it's maybe only been preach, my man. Yeah, preach. There's probably, there's probably only been about two, two or three matches I've watched. Where I thought, okay, the better team is going to win and win comfortably, and it both involved Morocco and Senegal. Um, every other game, it could have went either way. It genuinely could have went either Absolutely. way. And I feel like the the um the the knockouts is gonna be the same thing. There is no favourites in the knockouts at this point. You know, Senegal need to watch out, I genuinely think, you know. So do Morocco, like you just don't know what's gonna happen. Everybody is playing seems to be playing at hundred percent. I mean per, from a personal standpoint, I complained about Nigeria in the first game, thinking, Oh, we look lethargic, we look this, we look that. And the last two games, we just seem to have woken up all of a sudden. So and it's go it's go the same go the same for for Cameroon. Cameroon, apart from the goalkeeping problems, going forward, I think Cameroon have actually had some really good performances. And this is without the likes of Mbemo and you know um, what do you call it, um, Chilomoting not even being in the team as well. Everyone just seems to be stepping up. I mean, Coco Kambi keeps saving Cameroon. He seems to be the talisman for the last. Not even just the Afcon for the last two or three tournaments I've watched Cameroon in. He seems to be the main man. Like, I can't really, I'll be honest, I can't really call it. I hope Nigeria win, but I'll be honest, I, I don't know who's going through tonight, genuinely. And Coach, you know what? I just want to add something to that. Yeah. You know, when you talk about these intensity of the games, yeah. and I think one of the games for me that really symbolized, I know we're talking about the big one this evening, but one of the games that symbolized it was the Cape Verde-Egypt game, you know? For goodness sake, I think Egypt just didn't have a kitchen sink to throw at them. That's, they threw everything. They had everything. I think they even had the bus. They were trying to put the bus in the cold. Eh? But they had everything. But Cape Verde, with absolutely no one, baby on the bench. What a team, man. Who are they? Mm-hmm. This tournament has been fantastic, man. So, knockout stages, here we come. But I think it's also more like a revelation to a lot of 
others who maybe have not been following the progression of African football. Because Capo Verde, this was like six years ago, gave Cameroon a hiding. Um, we have been weary of them because the last two times we played Capo Verde, they beat us. So it's not a, it's not really been an emergence, let's say, of nations, but it's been a leveling of quality that has allowed for the emergence of beautiful football. And I love the fact that you touched on the word jeopardy. It's that element of jeopardy that has made this super exciting because you've had games where, like for me, my standout game, bizarrely, for me instead was um, Mauritania, Algeria, nah. I think it was. For me, it, mm. who would have known? Yeah. Like, kind of thing. Like, not only, they weren't playing for a draw. These guys were going for the jugular. And the Algerians were throwing everything back at them, including the, the kitchen. <laughs> and there was nothing they could come up with. And that was the beauty of it. And I think the tournament, these group stages in general, have been phenomenal. And a real, like, a tribute to the quality of African football at present. And the whole idea behind small nations, big nations, it, it's evaporated. But as, as a Cameroonian, I have to say that for us, I always share with my friends and whoever listens to me, they're not many of those people, that the challenge for us is to understand that the concept of the underdog is only in the minds of the people who don't believe in what it is that they have. In 1990, when the world was waking up to Cameroon as a footballing nation, uh, just because of one game against Argentina, to Cameroonians, we'd already known we were a great footballing nation for years. So right now in Capo Verde, they've been producing players for centuries, in all honesty. Even a person like Lawson has Capo Verdean roots. Mm-hmm. This same baby you were mentioning was standing up in Manchester United all of maybe 15 years ago or or something like that. Then it's where he was selling him as a kid. The few that yeah. people that that bought Capoverdian. Nani. Yeah, I mean, like if we if you go through the list of Capoverdian footballers, it's, it's remarkable. It's a crazy list. Yeah. Yeah, but it's most of us are just waking up mm. to that. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. But the same way this football belongs to the world generally, it genuinely belongs to the world, and we are just having the opportunity to see that other countries mm. like Equatorial Guinea who have had a phenomenal project for the last 12 years. Since they prepared to host and then hosted the AFCON, they went out, they crossed the oceans, they got Brazilians in. They, they've been working on this for long. And when we see it come together, then we go, oh, wow, a small nation is... It's not a small nation. It's only small because you weren't paying attention to them. So on the pitch, we'll have 11 guys from today and tomorrow, all the way through to the it's Tuesday, we will see a lot of jeopardy. And the truth is, if anybody says they can call it, then they're lying. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to speak with our hearts, we're going to speak with our wishes. But yeah. And then, Francis, I, I noticed you, you've spoken beautifully there about, about development in football, as you always do. But you, again, as you always do, you, you, you've found a way to sidestep the, the, the question that, that I wanted to ask you, which is, how, how are you feeling about tonight as a Cameroonian? Because <laughs> obviously, Cameroon... No, I, Cameroon, you look, it's not an AFCON with Cameroon in it if there isn't some kind of craziness, circus, chaos, you know, going on, you know, as, as we saw in the likes of 2017. Why are you insulting us? Huh? Why are you insulting us? Nah, I'm sorry. I'm getting to the compliment. No, he's telling the truth. I'm getting to the compliment, but exactly. Yeah. He's, get, he's telling the truth. 
But but <laughs> saying the truth, but, it's an African man. I'm warning you. But there's there's no country that is better at dealing with the chaos and dealing with the craziness of, of football than, than Cameroon. Even you know, 2017 being being the prime example. And then the other thing that I, I, I think that plays, you know, in your favor. Look, I, I don't think I, I don't I don't think it would be unfair to say that Nigeria are gonna be favorites for this game. But the one thing that, that excites me about the Cameroon team is is the news that potentially Mr. Vincent is back in the, in the starting lineup, and he is he is a character who can who can carry not just the team but a nation in terms of his presence. So I, I want to get your sense of as a Cameroonian, how 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 are you feeling? Okay, I put my Cameroonian hat on, <laughs> and I do have one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, um, in all honesty, the truth is. Again, it's kind of like not dissimilar to what I was saying before. Um, if you follow Cameroonian football, this is Cameroonian football. And this is Cameroon. It's organized confusion. It's how we describe ourselves. Nobody can. We have a saying in Cameroon that if somebody explains to you what it means to be Cameroonian and you understand that means they didn't explain it correctly. Mm-hmm. We ourselves don't know how we feel. <laughs> it's the truth. It's like we cannot explain oh, ourselves man. how we do what it oh, is that we do. So if, if there was a way that you could bottle it, I guess we would repeat it and we could teach others. But we have this word, I've shared it with you, Alistair, before Hemley. We had a conversation with, with Aswe Koto quite recently, and he was saying, he was speaking about the same word. And it's hard to explain it. It's almost spiritual. And we just we believe against all odds. And the chaos, we almost engender chaos to be able to prosper. So when things are simple for us, we actually don't know what to do. So if you give us order and you say, okay, train well, like now, training was good. Pay people their money. There was all of a sudden, it was like this is too smooth, and they have to create their own chaos to be able to tap into the spirit that we do in everyday life. What you see in football, it's Cameroon. You go to set up a business in Cameroon, they'll write it out to you. Fill in this form, fill in this form, and you get the documentation. You fill it in, you fill it in, and then the lights will go, <laughs> and then they can't print the document, and then all of a sudden. Something else has to happen for you to raise your voice and shout at somebody and something, and then it gets done. But when it's orderly, it doesn't function. So for us, we like the strength of Nigeria at present because the truth is we always, we often, more often than not, lose to Nigeria. We've played 20 times. Nigeria has beaten us 17 times. The difference is the three times we would win would be the times when it matters most. Yeah. Because yeah, again, it's that, that jeopardy that gives us our fuel. In this moment, whether it's Vincent Abubakar who's on the pitch or it's a young boy like Ferris who's playing his might get his first start, it doesn't matter to the Cameroonians. That's why we've had a Roger Miller and he was replaced by a, a Patrick Bowman and he was replaced by Samuel Leto and Samuel Leto was replaced by Vincent Abubakar. Somebody will come after him. It's that ability to keep producing this without actually even having the factory that produces it because there is no blueprint. It's out of that chaos that it gets born. And we need the chaos. So today, I won't be surprised if before kickoff, you find out that uh, Ondoa fell down the stairs. And so now <laughs> Onana has to go and go, but he's his ankle and they're going to play a passy. And, and we'll still go. 
okay, or you hear that they fought, that somebody said something at lunch, and but they will create some chaos to be able to thrive. You know? And so we expect it, and everybody else looks at it and thinks, oh, why are they like that? But that's us, and it's why we are the continent. We are the sum total of the beauty of the chaos that is Africa, because from that chaos comes magic. Mm. Francis, as, as always, such a poet, such a poet. And, and I think what, what makes this, this tie all the more interesting is I think both Cameroon and Nigeria, less so Nigeria, but both you know, had a bit of a circus around them, have looked disappointing at times in this tournament. And yet they're both in a position where whoever wins this plays either Namibia and Angola. And, you know, look, we're not here to underestimate any teams of this tournament. Algeria did it, Ghana did it, and we see where they are. Tunisia did it, we see where they are. But there's a very clear path to getting to a semifinal against against one of one of the a team that we'll get onto it in a moment. And we'll move on to that because the next the next group is is, is Cape Verde and Martinia. We've spoken very beautifully about about Cape Verde and, and the project they've done. Martinia very similar. You know, they've they've been on a real journey in terms of the development and then bringing in such a top, top coach as Mr. Abdu. But the real question is, who, who will Cape Verde or Mauritania play in, in the next round? And that is because it's between one of Morocco or South Africa. So I have to, I have to go to my brother, Courtney, to... to oh, unless, has Courtney disappeared? <laughs> Just when I needed him most. <laughs> there he is. No, I'm here. Ah, okay. <laughs> Courtney is here. Courtney, brother, you're playing Morocco. They've been to a World Cup semifinal. Before this tournament, we talked about how little hope there was in, in, in Bafana Bafana from, from South Africa. You made it through the group. You've, you've been brilliant at moments and less brilliant at others. How, how are you feeling at coming, at coming up against Morocco? We don't expect to go through. Morocco are a big hitter. We are not. We are in uh, the development stages of our project under a very good manager who's really turned the corner with the team, really has. Uh, changed the mentality, changed the level of arrogance of what we think of ourselves to what we actually are. We are not a good country. We're not a good football country. We are needing to be better. Yes, our league is a good league. But as a, as a national team, we are not. So there's a lot of honesty that's come through. You must remember, we struggled to get to the African Nations Cup. So the fact that we in the last 16 already is a success for us. We struggled to get out of a group of three while everyone had a group of four. So yeah. those are the facts. Courtney, now, there, there was another team that the, also was in a group of three but struggled to get out. But I, I won't be, I won't be, I'm not bringing Francis back. So please continue. <laughs> <laughs> so... We also know our way of the project ahead of us, which is Morocco. Who are they? They are the elite. They are the World Cup semi-finalists. They are a big team. So we understand we have a huge obstacle ahead of us. So there's no fear. We are not ready. They are. So you just go out there and you try and kill yourself. Um, the, the, the thing that worried me was the Tunisia game and the lack of desire i thought from the players that listen you you produce the results against namibia which was fantastic go into the tunisia game express yourself a bit more put yourself on the big stage that's where we faltered so i can see more of the same against a well-organized moroccan team now that's the thing about the moroccan team well organized highly disciplined exceptionally hard working they are supposed to beat us, but something that we spoke about a bit earlier in the show is 
what is this tournament giving us? This tournament is giving us a lot of, uh, of intensive games, unpredictable results that you can't call. Every time I want, and, and, and I'm not encouraging betting, so let me just be clear, but every time I want to place a bet on African football, I think to myself, hey, no, man. I can't pick this result. It's a waste of time. I don't know what's going to go on yet. Yeah. It's like giraffes ice skating. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You So, so uh, the, the South African fixture will be a fascinating one. Absolutely. It's Francis Ngannou against Tyson Fury. You, <laughs> they, you can get in there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I will say, though, I, I, I will say... Um, because of the unpredictable nature of it, and the fact that not South Africans having zero expectations, all of the pressure, and I mean all of the pressure is on Morocco, right? And while we know Morocco have had this fantastic project for the last, I think at least the last fifteen years, I put the name of the of the football excellence academy. I think it's Mohammed. Mohammed Six. Yeah. Mohammed Six. Yeah. And you know they're producing top quality. I'm talking some of the, in my opinion, some of the best players in the world. The likes, the likes of Unai, Hakimi. You know, Hakimi had a chance to play for Spain and, and turn them down because you know he obviously believes in how good this Moroccan team is. And to my mind, he was absolutely right. Now, with all of that, now comes a lot of expectations. Now, if we're going to talk about previous African teams that have gone onto the world stage and you know show the world, look, this is look where hair kind of thing, but then they quite, haven't quite pushed on from there. We can talk about Nigeria in the mid-90s to early 2000s. We can talk about the same thing for Cameroon as well. Cameroon being really well in the Olympics as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Morocco are on that path where they showed the world who, you know, who they are kind of thing. And now the pressure is on them is on them to deliver. You know, Morocco, to my mind, at least in my lifetime, haven't really had a, a solid proper golden generation. This is like, in my lifetime, I think the first one that they've had. So for me, I think South Africa have no no fear and have nothing to lose. Real to me, I feel like Morocco probably are in a lot more danger than, than they care to realise, you know, because South Africa have really shown that, look, they can score a fucking load of goals, you know. They're, they're a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous team. There's no fear there. They're, you know, Percy Tau is always going to be a class player. He's 45 years old, doesn't matter. He's always going to be a class player. They've got weapons to, to hurt Morocco. Morocco have to come out themselves and actually show the world, okay, look, we're not here for any games kind of thing. And that plays to me perfectly into South Africans. And if you make it into end game, literally, it's African Cup nation. Who knows who's going to win at this point? You know, I think in the 80th minute, it was 1-1 between Cape Verde and, um, no, sorry, sorry, but, um, Burkina Faso and, uh, and Egypt. And Egypt. Do you know what I mean? So who knows? Who knows? All right, and and speaking to the point you just made, which is phenomenal, it, it's also the fact that in the manager that they have, he has a speciality in his armory for playing against teams like this, teams in confidence. He, with Cameroon, we won in 2017 with him, and that was because he knew what to do against the Egyptians, he knew what to do against the Senegalese team that were in this same position, in the position of confidence, in the, and... He loves that position and he knows how to get his players fired up to be able to find the result. And that's why I think, um, I hope that um, the South Africans can be a pleasant surprise today and then also make for easier opposition in the future. <laughs> <laughs> what, I'd, what, I'd like to, what I'd like to add to this, right, is also the, the, the tournament at this stage... I just hope the teams give the tournament what it deserves. Mm. 
the tournament at this stage has been phenomenal. Honestly, I've enjoyed watching the level of football at an African Nations Cup. And I never thought I'd say that for a very long time. I really didn't. But what, because, and let's, let's be fair, we've gone to tournaments where the pitches have been terrible. That hasn't really been the case at this African Nations Cup. Right, the, the the intensity of football, the tournament is being so well celebrated. I hope the next round of games are just knockout specialists. You know, I don't know how well you guys know boxing. I don't know. You you all very young on this, and I want to make a a metaphor to boxing. Tommy Hans against Marvis Marvlin Hagler, nineteen eighty eight. The fight starts. The guys come out. It's not this. It's just, you stole my car and you knocked it. I want my money fight. That's what we want in terms of the football. Just come out there, reckless with one goals. We don't care that you're a defender. We don't care that you put in the team to defend well. Nobody cares. Entertain the supporters. Knock him out. And I'm out of here. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I've got to go. No worries, Courtney. What a way to sign off. What a way to sign off. <laughs> And for, oh my goodness. For me, and like Courtney says, I think this has been the best group stage potentially in the history of the Cup of Nations. It's genuinely been brilliant. But and you know, for a lot of reasons, like you mentioned, you know, the quality of the infrastructure, the pitches, the, the which means the football can be good. But what, what one of the things that I've loved about this tournament is it's been the tournament of derbies. You know, we had we had one group with Zambia, Tanzania, Congo, all in the same group, all brothers, all neighbors. We had the same thing with Guinea, Senegal, Gambia, they're all brothers, you know, and, and now we've been we've been delivered that in, in the knockouts, you know, Angola and Namibia, you know, neighbors playing each other. And then yeah. we're coming into the next batch of games. First of all, it's Mali and Burkina Faso, two, two, yeah. two countries with very, very close ties. And not only that, but they are also lucky enough to be playing the match against each other in Korogo, closest city to uh, both Mali and Burkina Faso that are hosting games. Um, and then, of course, whoever wins that gets to play the big one. Another another West African uh, rivalry in, in Cote d'Ivoire and, and Senegal. And I, I want to put this to you, Coach. You know, Cote d'Ivoire have had this chaotic tournament. It's been absolute bonkers. Just even just the story, them themselves have been this, just this amazing story of coming in with so much hype, looking good falling apart in spectacular fashion against Equatorial Guinea, somehow being bailed out by Morocco. and But only hours after they sacked Jean-Louis Gasset, they then try and get her for Nard. He, France doesn't want him to let him go. Just absolute chaos. And then they're coming up against Senegal. Three wins from three. The most complete side of this tournament. Look brilliant. But I put this to you. Since 2013, in the last 10 years, five teams have won all three games in their group stage. Of those five teams, four of them have been knocked out in the next round. Are we going to be looking at the same thing happening happening later later this weekend? So, it's a similar thing to the South Africa and Morocco tie. I think because, and I think there's even more there's even more fire in the belly of the Ivorians because of the fact that at one point they were going out basically, and now they've got the second lease of life. You know, so. It's almost, they're almost like a wounded animal, and obviously we're in well, we're in Africa now. You know, everyone knows what a wounded how how dangerous a wounded lion is. You know, <laughs> I think Senegal need to be looking at Ivory Coast as essentially this is their final. I think because if they don't essentially if they don't win this, obviously they're going home. But it's almost like if we knock the hosts out, 
all the pressure's off now. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot, the atmosphere's a lot flatter and whatnot. This is Senegal's final for me. It has to be their, has to be their final. Um, Ivory Coast have, to my mind, again, the best midfield in the tournament. And they've got a lot of tools to hurt Senegal. Senegal have, you know, those the two, two arguably the best combination of wingers in the, in the tournament. But then you look at the combination of how... I suppose they they line up, and I think they almost kind of cancel each other. They almost kind of cancel each other out in that regard. There needs there needs to be probably an early goal in this game for either te- for either team. I think for there to be a real for it to be a real knockout. I think, but I think this game might be the most disappointing one. I would say because of how high the tensions are. Mm. Um, that's 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 what, I, that's what I'm really really worried about. But I think Senegal need to be very 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 careful. Ivory Coast absolutely have the potential to knock them out. Um, Senegal are still favourites, but I'm I'm really looking at, at Ivory Coast thinking there's a chance they can really, really hurt them for real. So I'm, I'm curious to actually know what Francis thinks, actually. Well, I, I'm pretty much aligned with what you're thinking. I think the way you, you're coming from is very profound and very adroit. Um, the one thing I would say is that I believe it goes either way. It's either the flattest game, like you yeah. said, or it's the most exciting game. Because I think if if both coaches are able to do what they're supposed to do, which is, well, we don't really have a coach. I was about to say, which coach is Francis? <laughs> uh, let's say the leadership at, for the Ivorian space. And there's actually almost a blessing in the absence of that coach. So you have a, a spiritual, you will need this team effort. And if they rise to the challenge of just firing themselves up to say, you know what, kind of like what Kofi was saying, whether I'm a defender or I'm a striker, striker, you defend. Defender, you strike. We end this together and we'll have our population with us. And we'll have every uh, witch doctor, everything <laughs> <laughs> all teamed up to push you. The challenge for the Senegalese to take Spain out of the bite. And so rather than join them in the gung-ho approach, they will need to be the ones who actually make the game boring. And their challenge must be to be disciplined to do that because if they try to go toe-to-toe, one person's spirit will beat them, and that will be the Ivory. So the challenge for Cissé has to be instead to say, how do we play to our strength, which is our ability to be a solid, well-rehearsed, line up with talent that can break on the counter if we need to, but will absorb the pressure that we can get and allow the Ivorians to have the ball. That's the honest truth. They must let them have the ball and run themselves to the ground. Almost like what you would do like with a kid in a playground. I think that will have to be the objective to be disciplined and give them the ball and let them run with the adrenaline that they will have because that's what they will be hiding. That's my opinion. But I think to speak to the point you started off with, with the variety of matchups we have it's really making for a truly exciting tournament in terms of the infrastructure we've seen infrastructure already really quite improved on the continent for quite some time so that's why when sometimes we make reference to or the quality of our pitches it's been a long time since pitches have been our problem you know what we're having this time is it's the ability for people to move and attend games. So being in an ECOS space, for example, where fans can cross borders without the need for pieces, these are the important things. So when you can see the way the Kenyan team, for example, supported against Cameroon, I was saying to our Cameroon brothers, this is what we must 
able to look at to say, think about how hard it is for Cameroonian fam to make it to Ivory Coast, the process they had to go to, through to be able to get a visa. These are the lessons that we must extract as a people to understand about the importance of the freedom of movement, of goods, services, and people across our continent to allow us to celebrate these cultural landmarks that can speak to things that are bigger than the game itself. So seeing Mali play with Burkina Faso will be powerful because for some, for in certain quarters, uh, their recent histories, political history, the new leaderships that they have in their countries uh, and what it means to their people, there's a sense of fraternity that will be going on. And they're already saying there will be no winner and there will be no loser because they actually even tried to build a federation amongst their countries. So for them, it's like a people coming together and symbolically being in this town that is closest to their borders. I am more excited by the, 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 the audience, dare I say. So not only the people at the stadium who will be there, but what the subliminal messages that it will pass and the spirit in which that game will be played. Mm-hmm. The attrition will we see with Ivory Coast, we already expected and it's needed, but I think there will be a great lesson to be learned from the other game, uh, and I look forward to that game for that reason. Yeah, I, I, that's spot on. I think this has been something I've loved about this tournament is, is the location of it, because I think it's the first tournament in a very, very long time where, for various different reasons, that we've had a country with lots of people accessible to it. And, you know, that's partially because of the kind of, yeah, like the ECOWAS kind of visa situation between Cote d'Ivoire and these other countries, but also the fact that, you know, some of the countries in that region that wouldn't necessarily always qualify did, you know, your Gambias, your Guinea-Bissau, your Guineas. And yeah, the sub, the fan culture here is, is just incredible. But it has also been expanded yeah. for that reason. This is not, it's not a coincidence. It was intentional. Yeah, absolutely. And the is the last few AFCONs have been held in the Central African space. And that was also done intentionally to highlight some of the challenges that that space had. And I remember when the former CAF president, Isayatu, was saying, we will need to bring this AFCON into this space so it can fast track certain things that already exist in other places. We saw this when we were in Ghana in 2008. It was a phenomenal tournament because we saw the movement of people, yeah. and I was in Ghana that time, and we were all like, wow. And then it went into Equatorial Guinea and Gabon. Then you had the challenge with Morocco, who was supposed to get it next, and then they said, we won't let people enter into and gave it back to the Central African space. And then Cameroon had the next one, and then the Central African space. So we've been in that block, that Semak block for a while. And it came to define some of the challenges that we have as a continent because of the inability for our people to move. The challenges we have around infrastructure, the absence of multiple cities within a small geographic goal. And then we come into an Ivory Coast and everybody goes, oh, but this is where we were before. Mm. Now the infrastructure is just like that. We're still playing in stadia that were used in 1984. They too have just been upgraded and then newer ones put in place. But the ones they put in place are 20,000 as opposed to behemoths yeah, that might definitely. Against the test of time, so more practical things have been done. These are the lessons we must extract from an African, mm. not just football issues, these are developmental questions that are also being addressed. But we need us as a people to see these things, understand them, so we can build on them. But these are the important things that football lends our development paradigm. It affords us the ability to understand that we are one. That's the point coach started off with that we are African before we are. Nigerian or Cameroonian or Ivorian or Senegalese. And when we understand that, then we know that we are always winning. So when this tournament goes on well, 
we love it because we are winning. That's why even the way some of the Ivorians reacted when their team didn't win or some of the little xenophobic things that get highlighted now and again, it's a poor display. And we hope that their political system can allow their people to understand that it's not a tribal thing. We are not holding onto our flags because they define us. They are just colors we pin our masks onto simply because we need something to say, okay, and it's friendly. Tonight, I'm teasing my brother coach about Nigerian Cameroon, but the truth is we're one people. My mother was technically born in Nigeria. My father was technically born in Nigeria. We're from that um, western part of Cameroon that was governed as part of Nigeria before in 1962 it became part of Cameroon. So I don't know why I'll be fiercely proud of one or the other because no matter who wins, Africa and, and I think that, that point is perfectly highlighted, Francis, in, in Cote d'Ivoire. I swear I'm yet to meet an Ivorian who doesn't have a Guinean auntie, a Malian grandmother, you know, a Burkina father or mother. You know, everyone is both Burkina and Ivorian. And yes, they, they, you know, they'll have a preference for one team. But yeah, even I've been watching, I've decided to watch a few things. The president was banned from running for president before because he was accused of being a Burkina. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The nature of their nation is exactly that. The Guinean team comes out to play and you find out that three quarters of the players had grown up in Ivory Coast Mm -hmm. and this is where they call home. Some of them had played for the Ivorian under-17s or even the under-20s. A lot of them have gone through Asek Mimosa as their training base, whether you're Malian or you're Burkina Bay. or it's, it's the Africa we want to be able to celebrate. And so when we see it in this small form, we must look to amplify it. We must look to say, okay, there's something beautiful about this. Well, even in our names, there's a similarity. So a Toure is actually technically a Traore, and it's just spelled yeah. a little bit different by this other person. How come you have a Diakete here and there's a Diakete in the other country? And you realize that we are one people. And whatever happened in 1884 when those lines were drawn in Berlin, we didn't draw them. But we've accepted that those boundaries have been given to us. And it's for us to pull them down. The Germans did it quite recently. We can do it as well. Mm-hmm. We can understand that we don't punch each other. We can build with each other and we can use football as that country. Mm-hmm. As, as beautiful guys, we, we're running very quickly running out of time and and because we've been speaking so eloquently about, about Pan-Africanism as this coach, this is what happens when I bring Francis Sorry. on the pod. He always, he, always, he always has to rant about it. No, we love it. But so coach, I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a little brief, brief moment to talk about you know, we've got e- Egypt, DR Congo, and we've got a another quote-unquote derby, the a Guinean derby with with Equatorial Guinea and Guinea. You know, which of those two games are you kind of more more excited to to watch and why? So, I think Egypt, DR Congo is arguably the hardest one to call. I think um, the the defiance of this Egypt team with all the crap that they face, especially with the circus around. Mosellus, not only the performance, but obviously now his fitness and stuff. And then DR Congo being a, a, a side that I wouldn't say play with a chip on their shoulder, but I, I don't feel like a lot of people recognize the talent in this team so that they're out to prove themselves as well. So it's a hard one to call. I think this one is going all the way up. I, I see a high scoring one here. Um, and so you mentioned Mali Bikina Faso, right? No, no, the, the Ghanaian Derby, Equatorial Guinea and Guinea. Guinea, Guinea. <laughs> so, oh, of course, yes. Sorry, my bad. Oh, man, I'm really, really hoping Equatorial Guinea, Guinea go through. Um, they've been, they've been 
I want to say them with Cape Verde have been the most well, actually maybe South Africa as well actually between South Africa um, Guinea and uh, Equatorial Guinea and um, and Cape Verde they've been the most fun teams for me to watch and the, the, the longer they stay in the tournament I think they're better for sure um, yeah I'm hoping um, Equatorial Guinea go through but because it's a derby again and we know if form goes out the window who actually knows who actually knows genuinely um the gods of football, no? <laughs> well, they, they, but unfortunately, they don't tell us. They don't tell us before kickoff what's going to happen. I'm not even, to be honest, the, the way the, they've already told me the way this, the way this tournament is going, the way this tournament is going, I'm not even sure that they know. <laughs> it's been it's been absolutely bonkers, honestly. And do you know what? The funny thing is, it's, it's some of the points Francis brought up earlier about you know just us as a people, you know, enjoying this and whatnot, and being able to share it with the world, kind of thing. I feel like. I don't want to say, and I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to not to be negative there, but there's been a, I want to say a, little, a bit of gatekeeping, but there's been a few instances of people acting as if that the AFCON, that people are treating the AFCON as this sort of, um, uh, I suppose, what's the word looking for? A, uh, um, like a performance, you know, to, to show people, oh, like, you know, it's coming from a place of inferiority when, when it's really just, no, this is African football. You know, and people celebrating the fact that there's the unpredictable nature, the you know the the things that only happen in African football, even the way that um the way we support the masquerades and and everything like that, you know, even down to the the pre-match rituals and stuff like that. These things being celebrated are not coming from a place of oh look at us. No, it's more of a no. This this is us. This is who we are. This is who we are. And I feel like a lot of people misunderstand that. People from diaspora, even people in Africa, almost um, mistake it from a, from, a, from a point of oh like why are people all of a sudden interested? No, this is how it's always been. You know, and we're excited that there's a lot more eyes on it now. So why not amplify it? Why not celebrate even more? This is this is African football. Anybody that's been watching African football just the AFCON in general for the last 20 25 years year on year it's got bigger and bigger and bigger and it's become even more and more of a spectacle I mean going back to 2010 2011 when we talk about that 23 penalty shootout or the fact that Zambia won in the next year it's been happening you know Nigeria were not favorites at all in 2013 and end up being clearly the best team in the 2013 tournament it's, it's that it's it's African football this is, this is what we do you know so and every every space has its culture yeah. and you're perfectly right and I think our ability to embrace what it is irrespective of what others yeah. think that's that's what we have to also develop so confidence you know when you think about this Egypt DRC game I, mean, I just think about the level of waste movement yeah. that you will have all this <laughs> dancing from the head down yeah. <laughs> dancing or everybody's giving it hey they need to be able to figure out into the next AFCON, and I might have to run for the presidency of staff to be able to do this, is that we should play to music. Mm. That should be the next thing we add. And it might take football to a next level. You know, every halftime when they turn on those tracks and you're, you're like, you catch a little glimpse, you're like, oh, hey, imagine the energy at the stadium. Now I'm like, imagine us playing to it. Now that would be something. That's the next step. Have, first half, you're playing to Congolese music. Second half, you're playing <laughs> to some belly. <laughs> but and, my and and on that point, actually, you know, I'm I'm generally quite critical of, of CAF, you know, and, and and I think for for good reason. But one of the things they've done really, really well at this tournament is around the music. You know, whether it's the halftime show, or even like, and you know, every time there's a goal scored, they play that Kwaba, 
They've got, you know, they've got brilliant people to make the anthem, you know, like Magic Systems, Yemi Alade, like proper musicians who have, you know, a history of making these brilliant anthems. And everyone in Cote d'Ivoire knows the song. Everyone is always singing it. And as well as the other touch that I really like is at the end of the games, whichever team has won, they play music from that country. So whether, and like, whether it's Cape Verde, Senegal, you know, and so, and, and I think there's, they've realized. It's social. Yeah, exactly. So every team that wins, they're only playing music from that country exactly. as part of the, the yeah. parade so, with socials that they post. And I think, so I think that's really, I think it's one thing that CAF has done really well. It's, it's like you said, Francis, tapping into the connection between the populace in this continent and music, which is so unique compared to other countries and concepts. But even like you're talking about the halftime shows, like I was with, with some colleagues during one of them, and I think it was the Congolese game, the first one against Zambia. And, and yeah, they play Zambian music, play Congolese music. And uh, we're turning to each other and saying like, this would never work on any other continent. We would never get this. Mm -hmm. But in this continent, in our continent, it's perfect. Everyone loves it. Everyone engages because of that unique relationship. And I think that like, I think that's one thing that's been really good about, about this tournament is kind of tapping into that, that connection and making it an African tournament. I think there's always a temptation to standardize tournaments, to make them like the European ones to... To that and and I think it's it's great that actually in in many ways we're trying to push against that. But gen gentlemen, it's it's been a pleasure. We we're we're, we're coming up on, on almost forty five. It has been it's been an honor talking to you, Francis Coach. I'm glad that you guys are still friendly despite despite what's going to happen later tonight. Maybe you won't be tomorrow morning, <laughs> but we we love it and and we 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 cannot wait for this knockout tournament football to begin at the at the African Cup of Nations. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having us. A real pleasure meeting you, Coach, and good luck tonight. Good luck to you as well. Um, yeah, don't be open. Oh uh -huh.